take 43. Mark? Hey everyone, welcome back to the Take 43 podcast. My name is Drew Williams. And my name is Aaron Colborn. And just curious, Aaron, as always, first 42 takes, what, what's, what's been up? Well, so you might be able to tell by the uh, the sound of my audio, but we are back to being remote. Remote. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I am at my house, you are at your house. And the reason why, well, you remember last uh, episode, you uh, told everybody I wasn't feeling very well. That's right. Um, yeah, it turned out I did actually catch COVID. Ugh. So, yeah. So I've been a little bit out of commission for a couple of weeks. I'm doing okay. Uh, thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't care. Uh, yeah, no, no, why would you? Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm doing okay, but just to be safe, you know, you have a, uh, your wife is pregnant, you have a child on the way. Um, I, do? I should no longer be contagious. Well, that's what she told me, at least. Oh, I my don't know. God, this is news. No. <laughs> my, my Lord. Uh, so just to, just to be excessively safe, we're going to, do this thing remote for, for a little while. But, you know, so I spent the first 42 takes, I think just resetting up my, uh, my, uh, my remote recording booth, uh, which I made a little addition this time that I didn't do last time. And it seems to be working pretty well, actually, nice. is I needed a, I needed a pop guard on this microphone. And so I grabbed a piece of toilet paper <laughs> and kind of draped it over the front. Uh, and I mean, it looks super janky, but uh, I think it's working. Yeah. I think you need to send that to at shitty rigs on Instagram and, and <laughs> dude, I might, I might actually do that. That'd be pretty funny. It's, it's pretty funny. Well, I'm glad you're doing okay, man. Obviously I was kidding. Like, obviously I've been in contact with you in the last couple of weeks and that's, that sucks. I mean, not physical contact, but over the phone. Right. And right. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I know your wife got it too. And that's yeah. not fun. And I um, appreciate the extra safety precautions. We will definitely be doing this uh, remote moving forward, probably until baby's here. So, and that is February. So no reason to take risks, right? Yeah, no reason. Plus you're not worth it. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I know that right now you are recording on a jankier setup. Your mic might sound a little bit different, but I also know that uh, we will be getting you this road set up uh, remote as well. Yeah. So you'll be back at it. No problem in the, the next episode. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show like, I, you know, with, with very little, you can still do a lot to, if you know what you're talking about, to, to make things sound as good as possible under any circumstance. Yeah, man. I mean, you just got to do what you got to do. And, and when it comes down to it, this thing is for fun and we're just talking about production. So that's what we do all day. Right. So not much different that's than right. another day. So I do want to get into uh, this new Sony camera really quick. The FX6 dropped. Oh, yeah thing is pretty and uh currently uh chatting with sony right now to maybe get my hands on this thing dude that'd be pretty dope i took a look at some reviews and some footage uh the other day a lot of comparing because the other the other camera you were talking about getting was the uh the red komodo well i had it um, i had the komodo pre-ordered it was actually it was it, oh you oh, it, it was sorry ordered. not pre-ordered ordered and then they took the purchase button off of red's website and i got an email from jared and it said who is the guy from red and he said, yeah, we got about a four to, I think it was four to eight week waiting period. And I know the FX6 doesn't drop until like next week or so, but I'm not waiting that long for the Komodo. And I, we have access to one and I'm just, yeah, not too worried about it right now. So I went ahead and canceled that order. No, no issues. Right. Well, and like, it, it kind of makes sense because you're, you're a Sony guy at the moment anyway. So you already have glass for it. Right. You kind of have like, you're kind of used to kind of the way Sony's work right now. And I mean like the, the low light 
stuff that I saw looked amazing. Yeah, we did some Komodo test um, when we shot like a month and a half ago before you got sick and uh, also shot the short film Grounded on it from Rhino and it's a great camera. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I love it. I'm a part of all the user groups and seeing all the feedback and it's just an absolutely amazing camera. In fact, we're, I did a My Atomus rig video with the Komodo as well that drops uh, next week with Atomus on their page. And yeah, it's, it's an amazing camera, but if you're, if we're talking low light comparison that I think the FX six is going to take it, that's just my opinion. Yeah. And, um, you know, after doing some night tests and seeing some side besides, I, I think I can concur that that is actually correct. And with our short film coming up here in April, hopefully once everything gets all back to normal, uh, we are shooting mostly at night. And that's something that I've been thinking about heavily, uh, when purchasing this FX six. So Totally. Uh, yeah. Totally. It so makes, a, it's makes cool. a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, man. Super stoked on that. So I do want to get into this episode. Let's talk about yeah. OJT. That stands for on the job training. And this is stuff that was skipped in film school. You didn't go to film school. Not a big deal. Most people don't. And that's rad. I support that hundred percent. So it's just yeah. things that you learn while on the job. And there's been so many instances where I thought I knew something going into it and I totally learned something new that day. So keeping your ears open right. on set is extremely important. And I think that it goes a long way. I've learned more in the last, you know, seven to eight years of production being on set than I ever did in four years at a university. And there's just so many things that get talked over. Uh, and that hands-on experience is so important. And we've talked about that in the past, but let's mm -hmm. get into like the pre-production, production, post-production what you've learned. So when you're in the editing room, Ron, what have you learned or what have you learned on set? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, just to go back over real briefly, like, yeah, OJT, I mean, pretty much every job I've ever had has had some element of on the job training, whether it was the military, which has a very structured on the job training, uh, was with, you know, certain tasks you have to complete in order to move on to different levels, uh, down to back when I was just washing dishes, you know, in, in high school at a restaurant and just learning the system that they had there. So there's pretty much always some sort of on the job training, whether or not it's, it's structured or not. Um, but probably the, and it's funny considering I was in the military, but probably the steepest, most difficult, uh, on the job experience that I've ever had was when I went into news because before that I had just been shooting and editing wedding videos and, you know, there were deadlines and stuff like that, but they were fairly loose. You could get away with moving stuff around, uh, in live TV, especially in news, you can't miss deadlines, you know, like you can't really hide that. Uh, so like you either hit the deadlines or you don't. And if you don't hit deadlines, you could crash an entire show or at least an entire segment of a show. So it became very apparent very quickly that I needed to work on my time management, Yeah, you know, based on, uh, especially because at the beginning, um, I was doing less editing and more running tape. And so, uh, now most stations use servers, but back when I was doing it, uh, you had three beta decks and you had the next three stories queued up on each of those decks and the director, you'd be talking over headsets and the director would be telling you to, you know, roll this story, roll that story. And you have a, you know, a printed rundown that tells you the order of things, but you have to be very, very aware of that. And at the same time, making sure that, um, all the other editors, there's like four or five other editors, they're all cutting stories. Usually while the show has like, after the show has already started, um, and you have to be aware of what you have, what you don't have, letting the director know if you're missing something so they can move it up or move it down or whatever. And so there's just a lot of situational awareness that needs to happen. 
Can you might have to explain to the listeners what a beta deck is because we're not all 45 like you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so a beta deck is, I mean, it's a tape deck, sure. you know, a video, videotape and, uh, Beta was a little bit of an older format. It's considered higher quality than VHS. Got it. Um, but it, be, it ended up becoming a standard for for broadcast. It was more expensive um, because it, it did look better than VHS. But, and mostly yeah. like news sources and things like that were the only ones using it just because it did cost more. Like that that wasn't something you would put in your home. Right. I mean, people people did. Right. I, like I remember when I was when I was a kid, the first VCR that I ever remember seeing, my, like back when you you rented a VCR and like rented a movie, you know, over the weekend. I remember my dad brought home, uh, it was a, a beta. Betamax? Um, a, yeah, it's Betamax. Yeah. And uh, the movie, uh, what was the movie? It's Crossroads with Ralph Macchio where he's like, he makes, makes a deal with the devil for playing guitar. I thought it was Crossroads with Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was like 35 when that came out. <laughs> Okay, maybe not 35, but I was not young. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so so I digress uh, a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like that was a pretty rapid swing from uh, news to Britney Spears. <laughs> Anyways, so the the main thing about news is is it really taught me how to prioritize. You know, a lot of times now you there's enough time for me to really prioritize and put one thing before the next in news. Um, your priorities can jump around a lot, right? So right. Um, I might have like five stories that I was working on and the producer decides, you know what, I think I'm going to move this story closer to the top and move this one closer down. So I might be halfway done editing what was supposed to be the earlier project and now suddenly priorities have changed. And so I have to like leave that project, jump into a different story and finish that one up. And then by that time, the show might be starting and I have to finish editing the one that I left like on the fly while the show is airing. So there's just uh, in live TV, there's just a million different situations that can happen and you kind of have to just be prepared for all of them. So I think, you know, it, it taught me so much situational awareness. It. it taught me time management. And since it started out at such an extreme level, uh, it's made it a lot easier to dial it back for the kind of work that I do now. Right. So, I mean, this, and you, you just can't, you can't, and the reason why I bring this up in terms of uh, on the job training is you can't really teach time management. You can tell people how to do it, right. but until you experience, especially at such an extreme level, you really don't understand how to deal with it. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I mean, there's so many variables to that, right? Like you're in news, you're talking about the highest of extreme deadline, crunch time, right. run and gun. And then there are movies where, you know, you get, you know, six months to shoot it, but then you know, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Bill Hader and they were talking about like it too when the when they had like the fortune cookies and they were at the the Chinese restaurant and they were eating and that right. they shot that scene in, you know, it took six days to shoot just that scene and it's ten wow. minutes ten minutes long and it took six days. So time management and extreme conditions like the news uh, can be different from, you know, a year production of, of right. it too or anything. But that's just an example of just how many variables there are and how you never, I mean, in, unfortunately you got thrown into that pretty hard because you did start at yeah. the highest level and then, you know, you've obviously yeah. dialed it back a little bit, but I think there's no better way to learn than in the most extreme conditions. And if you fail, you fail, you know? Oh, and, and guarantee you, you go into a situation like that, you will fail. I failed multiple times. Um, it's just, it's kind of part of that industry. You just, you fail, but then you learn from it quickly and move on. You know, it's not like, uh, projects I have now, if you fail at it, it can end up just kind of dragging on, okay, I'm going to fix this, fix that, fix this. 
a TV news, once it's aired, it's over and done with. It's in the rearview mirror. And so you just have to try and learn the lessons from that and move on. That being said, it's also, it's, it's you shouldn't look at your work as if it's one view and, and then it's in the garbage. But with news, right. it kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it absolutely is. But it's, I think you just have to look at it a slightly different way. So right. um, it's, you take the lessons that you learned from that and apply it to the situation you have now. So obviously, you know, I make a, you know, a marketing video or something, it's not just going to be seen once, but I think I do approach it with the mindset that I have one shot at it. And that actually ends up saving me time, I think on the back end. Now that's a really good example. And I like how you covered, you know, time management as a whole. So I've went into the different aspects of production and I've essentially labeled, you know, word for word, what I have learned, whether it's like vocab words or how to bid jobs or, you know, right. accepting a different role. So like in the production world, moving into like on set production in film school, you have an idea that you want to go into production, but there are so many different roles that you can play. And not until you get on set, do you learn what those different roles are, whether it's the yep. second AC, the AC or the second AD or the AD or the DP or the, you know, uh, the script supervisor those acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're acronyms that you don't even know what they mean until you're there. And I wish that would change. I'm, and, I, and I'm not speaking on behalf of all film schools. I'm speaking on behalf of Indiana University where I went, where the production hands-on experience was lacking in persistence. So um, I just feel like learning from others and accepting different roles is a really good way for you to kind of figure out not only what you want to do specifically, and then you can just kind of hone in on that trait like we've discussed in the past, but you yeah. learn how to talk to the AC or you learn how to talk to the AD, you learn what they do. Right. So I accepted right. a different role for a shoot like two years ago as an AC, you know, in my head, I was like, that might feel like a step down from a DP, but it's absolutely not because I'm going to be talking with ACs every time I'm a DP on a large set. Right. So, right. So I learned what the AC does and I've learned, you know, how much in the, now granted there are different ACs. So some ACs are really good. Some aren't that good. And, the good ones are the ones that grab your camera in the morning and double check all the wires and make sure that you're the monitors viewable and they'll have, you know, an assistant monitor running wirelessly so they can pull focus and things like that. I didn't know that coming out of school. So until I got on the job a handful of times and I learned and I watched how DPs interacted with their ACs, which stands for assistant camera, by the way, if, if you did not know that, um, it was really cool to see that. And then I learned how to speak to the AC and what their duties were and then what my duties were. And there's no gray area, right? There's a nice hard line right. between what each one does. And I mean, there was a chance, there was a time uh, in early 2018, I had just gotten into my snowboard accident. I could barely walk. Um, and I got hired while well, we were doing with the marketing from what we always do. We were shooting for Evans and Daddario, which they own like Evans heads for drums and they, Daddario oh, yeah. makes the yeah. really good guitar strings. Um, so we were shooting with all these musicians in the studio, but you know, Dave, our director and our, you know, our supervisor, he hired out uh, a different DP because I, I couldn't walk. Right. So it made right. sense. And I, first off, I was like, Oh, that's my job. But it's not. And you know, it was really cool to see how he worked and I'll never, ever forget what I learned that day. And I was just sitting there kind of like second AC and like making sure like everything was out of the way. And I mean, I was on an Apple box all day setting. Right. And, um, right. So it was really cool to see 
how a different DP handled something. And he said something on set. And I, I've discussed this in the past, especially talking with Timor and lighting and things like that. And it's, you always light on the shadow side. And what's that mean? You light towards camera. So, you know, you'll have your main light that, and you think that main light is always going to be just to the right or to the left of your camera. And it always depends on the facial direction. So if they're looking right and you leave them room on the right, if they're on that third thirds line horizontally, or excuse me, vertically, then you you spin that light to hit the backside of their face and not the front of it as a main. And that has literally made the biggest difference in my lighting career in my entire life. And I'll never forget mm -hmm. when he said that. And it's little things like that. Like, you know, hearing that the DP is not me kind of like, I kind of got a little bummed, but then just going in and learning from different aspects and that's just the best on the job training and one of the best tips I ever received on set. Totally. I mean, there's, a, there's definitely a lot to be said for, uh, you know, you, uh, you ask a lot of people advice about, you know, I want to get started in the film industry. Where do I go? There's a lot to be said for starting at the bottom and working your way up. I think a lot of that is because of how much you learn on the way up. You know, you started out as a PA and then you, you know, learn what, uh, you know, maybe what the AD does or what the AC does and stuff like that. And so the more jobs you have, by the time you get to say you want to be a director, by the time you get to director, you understand everybody's job and that'll just make you a much better director. Absolutely. Yeah. And taking little things and hints and, and cues from different people and not saying they're always right, but if you can apply them to what you know, and then you can wean out the difference, like there's a good chance that you're going to start rocking it in that position, you know? Totally. So if you pay attention, if you if you're open to learning, I mean, there are plenty of people that do have bad attitudes about starting at a low level right. and they think they're above it. And so they don't take it very seriously. Those are the people that probably won't go anywhere. If I'm being completely honest, people sure. that keep themselves open to learning at the level that they're at. Other people notice that, you know, people notice when you're doing a smaller job, but doing it to like the best of your abilities and taking it very seriously. Yeah. And guess what? They'll look at you when they need to like move somebody up. Right. And think about it on our zoom production call last night, when we talked for two hours with the team for our next short film, you know, we talked about a person that we would never have on set again. And then we were talking yep. about the exact opposite person that we always want on set. So yep. that's exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. And then just to, to branch off out of production, you know, vocabulary terms, and it sounds so direct. Like you think in school you would learn vocabulary. Um, you would think so, right? You yeah. would think because you did in <laughs> elementary and high school, right? I mean, definitely elementary yeah. school, but like you know, anything from like a Fernie blanket, you know, what's a Fernie blanket do and, and who calls that action? Who Who's in charge of that? You know, um, those things are only taught firsthand while you're on set. And Fernie blanket is a, is a funny example because there are so many different uses for a Fernie blanket. You can block light with it. You can, you know, obviously dampen sound, which is its main use. And it's just, it's just little things like that, learning those little vocabulary words or whether it's a C stand or a mambo combo or a combo. And, that's gear specifically. And then you can go into the technical aspects of a camera, but you have to know those things as a DP because you're going to be communicating that with your AC. And if you know, if you totally. don't know it as a DP, but your AC knows what's going on, then there might be an issue. You'd be like, who's, who's this clown, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. And if you're calling it by a different name, it just, that can lead to confusion on set. I mean, communication is such a big deal. So you want to make sure that you and your team are all on the same page. Absolutely. That's what it comes down to. Communication is key. 
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Dude, you know what's a pain sometimes? Hmm, you tell. Hauling huge lights onto set. Oh yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah, I've tried more compact lights, but they just don't cut it when it comes to rendering true color. Plus, they're never bright enough. Mm -hmm, never. But one day, a buddy of mine from the snowboard industry asked me to check out these new lights called Lytra, oh. which promised to solve exactly that problem. They're compact, yet powerful, and with professional-grade color rendering. Nice. Nice. Now Lytra is pretty much all I ever bring to set. Compact, powerful, bicolor, RGB, Bluetooth controlled, rugged, waterproofed, you name it, Lytra's it. That's a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds great. So you should visit our Lytra link in the description below and receive 15% off your next order from Lytra.com. I promise you these lights will completely change your approach to photo and video lighting. All right, man, I'm going to hold you to it. So the other place where I learned a lot on the job in, in air quotes was when, you know, Paper Cutter was the first film I directed. Um, we didn't really have the ability to do auditions with that one. Um, but for jump seat, we did do auditions. I mean, they were last year and obviously things, you know, have been put on hold, but I learned a lot in the audition process because it, it's not anything I'd ever really done before. I hadn't led auditions before my impression going in, you know, is auditions, people come in, they read their lines, you like it or you don't, and then they leave. Well, through the course of, of these auditions, I kind of learned that that's not entirely the case. Uh, there's a whole lot you can do uh, during auditions. One of the big things was using that time to, to practice directing actors. So I think one of my shortcomings uh, is I understand visuals. I understand story pretty well. Uh, directing actors and kind of trying to shape their performances is something that I need a lot more experience on. So what I figured out is that I could do that during the audition process. You know, if there was somebody who came in and read and did like a pretty good job, but wasn't quite there, instead of just saying like, okay, thanks, you know, and marking them as, you know, three out of five stars or whatever, I would give them some direction and say, maybe, you know, try this, uh, think about it this way, be a little more angry about it, or know the person you're talking to, your friends, and just trying to shape the performance to see if you can get it there. And then also sometimes if somebody was way, way, way off the mark, which, you know, in a career you could end up with somebody that you didn't necessarily hire, that you don't really like the way they're doing it, and on set, you have to try and and turn that performance into something good. So even somebody that that is way off the mark on what I wanted, trying to do some things to see if you can get them closer to uh, where you want them to be. So that was a really valuable lesson for me. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I remember you mentioning too, while we were in auditions where it was like, you know, he or she, you know, didn't quite deliver the lines like we wanted, but they have the look that I've been envisioning or vice versa, you know? Right. So you have all right. these things where, and unless you're there looking at it and depending on who is there, I mean, you're going to have to make these different decisions that you probably didn't think you'd ever have to make as a director. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, I re yeah, I realized it because at first, especially being the writer, you know, you want to hear the the lines of dialogue that you wrote, just perfect. You know, that's what matters a lot to you. But once people started saying the lines of dialogue and knowing that, you know, they had maybe been able to spend an hour with the script, if that, uh, I quickly realized that I wasn't auditioning how in, entirely, I wasn't entirely auditioning how they're going to say the lines. The lines at that point, getting the words perfect doesn't actually really matter. Right. Uh, what matters is the performance and the emotion. And so... Uh, partway through the day, because at first uh, saying, you know, like, oh, this is the line, you know, try and get that. And then I quickly realized that was kind of messing up their performance. So it, I realized maybe 
it became more important to get the the emotion right. And I would tell them, you know, if you mess something up, it's okay. Just keep moving on and and wing it because the the performance, the emotion, the relationship with the other actor, like that's what that's what we're trying to figure out right here. The chemistry is more important at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And that's again, that's just stuff you don't know until you're in that room and right, learning it right. firsthand. And, I learned a lot from that process, man. Like I remember you're like, Hey, come and film these auditions and, you know, press the red button on a pair of sticks, but it, it wasn't anything too complex, but just, you can learn a lot from just having the person in the room and having the look or delivering the lines. Mm-hmm. And everyone was lit the exact same. We had the studio grid up top yeah. and, and, but it was, it was how they evoked the emotion with the correct light. And I remember at one point I totally got on the, the slider and the DMX board and I, you know, changed like a 56 K light to a lot warmer light and down to like 32 and just to like evoke a little bit more emotion. I think that does a, a lot actually. Yeah. You came in, I mean, we were just shooting in, in our little studio and no, we, we shot, you know, we, we shot the second auditions in the big old studio. Oh, that's right. In the big old studio. That's right. So we, yeah. but we were shooting in a studio, but we, you know, we brought the lights down, you know, you put some, some, uh, colored lights on them. And I think just getting actors like in that environment helps put them in, in, you know, in the space of the story as well. So I actually think that helped quite a bit. Yeah. You know, you're, you're totally right. We shot two different auditions in, uh, the downtown studio. And then we shot one in this, like the South Southern part of Salt Lake studio. That was much bigger. Yeah. I forgot that we did that second round and I actually yeah, did too. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, it's been, it's been over a year. In fact, I was looking at that audition footage, uh, yesterday because we were in our production meeting for the upcoming film and it was like October 19th of 2019, you know, much simpler times, but wow. Yeah. So, um, I feel so long ago now. <laughs> it's crazy. And the yeah. last thing I'd say about this, and this is just, you know, this is me being me have fun during auditions. I mean, oh, yeah. the amount, the amount of people, like we had a great time. Everybody that came in, we're like, Hey, you know, how's it going? We talked to them a little bit and we got so much feedback from people that kind of surprised me actually saying it was one of the more fun auditions they'd ever been to because they go to, they go to these other auditions and there's just a bunch of grumpy jerks sitting there and yep. they walk in, say their lines and they all kind of look at each other and they're like, all right, see ya. Yeah. And they're but like I eating think, their muffin and they're, they don't care about anything besides yeah. na- na- nailing the role. And you're right. Cause I remember we had yeah, some camaraderie it, there and then I remember yeah. someone was like, I hope I did good because you guys are great. It wasn't like because she wanted yeah. the role. It was like, I want to work with you. And that's, that's a huge compliment. I mean, that's, it that's is, the it best is. thing you can hear. I want to jump back now because we've been talking about production and I guess you're in pre-production right now with auditions, but I want to go to into pre-production and, and I just want to talk about an example of that. I learned the hard way on a job when I was bidding uh, something out in my early freelance career. And that was going into a meeting and them giving me, you know, their time limit of what they need uh, how many days they want to shoot it. And then that's pretty much it. So they're like, we need a two minute video and you have, you know, a day or two to shoot it. And that to me is like, cool. We have plenty of time. I know I've done two minute videos in the past. I've done, you know, longer videos in the past and I bid them out a little early, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I didn't know exactly how many graphics they wanted. I didn't ask questions. That was the problem. So uh, right. I bidded the job early. So I got lowballed, And then I also found out the hard way that it was a really, it was a much bigger project than I had planned. So, and uh, that was, I mean, that was 10 years ago. And I think we've, you do that once and you'll never do it again. But 
that is just right. something. If, if someone's getting into this now and they're going to their first client meeting soon, hopefully they're driving there right now. And well, I hope you're on Zoom actually. But um, you're right. <laughs> but I, I can't stress enough how important it is to ask the right questions because there is no one that you're going to work with. If they think you're asking too many questions, then you don't want to work with them because yeah. questions are the most important thing you can ask during a pre-production meeting because you have to get every single bit of detail. And then what you do is you take that home or you're at home if you're in a current pre-production meeting and then you sit there and you say, okay, let me draw this thing out. Let me figure this out. Let me get a number in my head. And then as you're doing that, think of more questions. Then you call them back or call another meeting, ask those questions again. If they can't answer them, then they're not ready to get the video. So mm -hmm. that was another thing too, is if they don't have the answer, then, and granted, they're going to leave a lot of this up to you because that's why they hired you and they're going to, you know, but if you're right. using your brain and asking the right questions, you'll be able to get the answer out of them and maybe something that they didn't even think of. Everyone's different and every scenario is different, but that is something I definitely learned the hard way. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think when you're, you know, landing one of your first big clients, there's an eagerness to just close the deal, get it done and then get to work. But if you get too eager and you stop thinking about the things that you need as as the producer of the work, uh, you can definitely paint yourself into a corner really quickly. Exactly. You nailed it because that's exactly what happened. I, I had some time open and I knew I was going to start another big production in three weeks or four weeks. And let's get the ball rolling. You know, let's do this thing now. Right. Let's rush job this. And when I say rush job, I mean, let's, you know, do it quicker, but let's, you know, everything let's is just, in just a get timely manner. Yeah. yeah. Let's just get it done. It's in a timely manner, but it's sooner than later. Like we don't spend as much time in pre-production. Uh, you right. just, you just blast through it quicker. And that is a big no, no. So in, in speaking of, you know, pre-production and honestly production, one of the other big things I learned in my first job as a director, you know, directing the directing paper cutter was what an assistant director does. And I knew from other times on set that basically they were your timekeeper. They keep you on task, yep. but that's about really all I knew. And I didn't know why they're so important in pre-production. And that's how I know I made a mistake is because once I got, once we got to production, I realized there was a whole lot more that they should have been involved in. This was Dave, a whole lot more they should have been involved in earlier on in the process. Right. So while, so of course, while they're there on set, you know, during production to keep you on task, to essentially kind of deliver the director's orders to the cast and crew, disseminate all the information. The other thing that's really important is since they are dealing so much with the cast and crew is to have them in on the process earlier to, to develop a good working relationship with the actors, right? You know, if the, if the first time the actors meet the first AD is on set day of the shooter, the first time they hear from them is when they get the call sheet, like the night or day before or whatever, that's not quite enough time. If you want to have a good smooth running set, the first AD and the cast and crew as well should, should know each other. They should know the first AD. They should know that's who they go to with their problems and problems are there before you get into production as well. So I think, understanding that the first AD needs to come on earlier in the process was, was really, really important as well as the shooting schedule. You know, we developed our own shooting schedule and turns out did it almost completely backwards. You know, we made our first day the biggest, hardest, craziest day. And we felt that yep. Whereas if, if we had brought Dave on earlier and he told me this, if we brought him on earlier, we would have moved the shooting days around and made our second day be much more, or sorry, made our first day 
the much more chill day where there's only a few cast members. It wasn't really any dialogue. There's a couple locations, but everything was pretty chill. And then the second day we would have moved into the bigger, crazier day because it kind of warms up your gears a little bit, right? Yeah, and I think and that I was know that. I think that was inexperience from the producer, to be honest. All, yeah. Oh, and 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 I'll take heat for that too. Inexperience on my part as well. Right. Well, and then as a DP, that's stuff that I need to be thinking about as well. That's not my call, but I I, I always yeah. would give advice towards that. And I was just, you know, we were just stoked to make a good movie, and uh, right, it, right. it came out great. But you talk about stress on that first day, man. And we've talked about this in the past podcast, but anxiety attacks coming over and you were pacing oh, yeah. and dude yeah. and huffing and puffing and oh, no, I was like, <laughs> it was it was scary it's just like in news you know learning lessons the hard way by just being thrown in on the deep end it's it's the same thing and I learned a lot and just really the takeaway is get the first ad involved earlier in pre-production than you think you need to right yeah totally agree man I that's super super important and then um, again, starting out small and learning what an AD does so you can then yep. know yep. that you have to bring them on earlier. I mean, that's full circle there yep. from what we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I haven't started in film working in smaller jobs. I, I've done it on, you know, commercial stuff, worked as a camera op and things like that. But on films, I just kind of jumped right to being a director. Right. Uh, and so, so I did miss what I said was a good idea earlier. And I think that's how I know it's a good idea to start, you know, low and work your way up is because I missed a whole lot of stuff. And so I'm learning while being completely submerged in the deep end of the pool. Yeah. And what's, it's funny because I remember the first time working with a bigger team and I had a script supervisor and she was asking me, Hey, what takes the best? And, and I was like, well, that, you know, in my head, I'm like, Oh, the editor will figure that out. Um, that's his job. And, and, And I was like, she's like, no, I need to circle take you. And I was like, Oh yeah, circle take take three. And then I was like, you're my best friend, <laughs> you know, and you're the, <laughs> you're the editor's best friend. And that's just how it went. Right. But I, again, until I was there and she was asking me, uh, I thought she was just making sure our lines were covered and she was, that's her job. Right. But I didn't understand the full aspect of the job and how important that role is. And shout out to yeah. Camilla cause she crushes it. Yeah. Camilla's amazing. Yeah, man. Those were great examples. And I hope everyone can learn from that. But I also want to hear what you guys have learned. Let us know like, if there was something that you learned on set firsthand that you didn't learn before going out and being on set. I mean, we'd love to hear from you and we can share those stories later in the next episode. Well, it looks like that about does it for that. Uh, that was fun. I miss seeing you in person, but you know, soon enough, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a light at the end of this tunnel and we'll be able to just do this podcast in person, which will be really nice. But in the meantime, this is how we're doing it. And thank you all for listening. It means the world to us. You know, uh, give us a rating or a review or whatever it takes on your preferred podcast listening platform of choice. Yeah. Send us an email. Do whatever. We love interaction. We love to hear from you guys. And speaking of that, um, I saw that Spotify was doing their top listens of 2020. And I've already gotten tagged mm-hmm. in a couple of uh, listens where that shows the top five podcast. And we were number, oh, dope. We were number two and four in a couple of them that I saw out of five, which is great. So it means people are listening. Nice. And by the way, that wasn't my own Spotify playlist of the year that or, or Aaron. So uh, it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. <laughs> thank you guys so much for sharing that with us. And uh, until next time, we will see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. And everybody uh, stay safe out there. We'll see you later. Take care. Thanks guys. All right. Bye.